Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Okay, so being the boss of your brain means that um, you don't accept every thought or feeling or impulse that you have. So for example, um, Let's start with a simple example is, um, you know, let's say you got, re you feel rejected about something and you, um, and then you start to kind of spiral down downwards and, or you're not getting the results that you want and you think, oh, maybe I should just give up. Or you think, um, this is so much harder than I thought. Um, well, when you, with ADHD, um, yeah. you know, you tend not to, to be the boss of your brain and you kind of, you let you run with that or you don't challenge it. So by being the boss of your brain, you could say, um, well, I give myself a lot of credit because I took a risk. Um, I was brave. I, I was rejected or I didn't get what I wanted, but look at all that, that I had. And you began to say, this is not helpful to think that way. And I'm going to, you know, take my brain forcefully, have it think about something else. And I also call that kind of changing the channel. So if you think about if you are watching cable TV and if you're scrolling through the channels and you see golf and you don't really like golf, you're not going to sit there and watch a golf game. You're going to just change a channel. Mm -hmm. And being the boss of your brain means you can change the channel on your brain. We all have the capacity to do that. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Laura, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I'm so excited to be here, Srini. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I came across your work because you wrote in and you told me that you're a psychologist who studies attention deficit disorder and does work around managing attention, which is something near and dear to my heart because it's something that I have struggled with for most of my adult life. But before we get into all of that, I want to start by asking you, where in the world did you grow up and what impact did where you grew up end up having on the choices that you've made with your life? Well, I grew up in the Detroit, Michigan area in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan. And um, I think that one of the major impacts that had on me because um, I did end up leaving to come out and ended up in San Francisco was that um, it in some ways makes me feel grateful every day in the sense of um, in the sense of living in a place where there's so much innovation. And, you know, a lot of people have said about San Francisco that it's the place where new ideas meet the least resistance. And so I think that, um, and even just, you know, thinking about the weather, (laughs) uh, growing up with, you know, three feet of snow for three months out of the year, um, I feel grateful a lot. Um, But I think another thing is that, you know, one of the other aspects of Michigan is that they have so many lakes and I grew up with ponds and lakes. And I think it started out something for me, which um, is just a love of nature and that sort of connection to nature. And so it's something that I seek out. It's something, you know, that's important to me and it, it fuels, you know, it fuels my work. It, it, um, it's something that I am very attentive to spending time in nature probably every day. Were there early inklings for you of, what you wanted to do with your life, uh, and if so, what were they? Um, well, I think that uh, when I was in high school, <laughs> uh, I had to go to see a psychologist, and um, and it's such a fascinating thing that you would uh, not even, most who would ever think about wanting to be a psychologist, and how would you really even know about that unless at some point you had maybe gone to see one and. So it, of course, opened my eyes to a career choice that I don't think a lot of people would think about at a young age. And um, and so I actually, even in high school, started, you know, I was strangely thinking I, I want to be a psychologist and um, without actually knowing that much about the field. You know, for example, maybe the person I saw wasn't even a psychologist. Maybe they were an MFT. I wouldn't have known the difference. And uh, so I had a really clear idea about that. And I you know, started off my education and, you know, pursued it pretty much in a straight line. So, I mean, from the perspective of a psychologist, why do you think that those kinds of moments are so rare and so many people's careers don't necessarily follow a straight line? You may be the one person I've spoken to that has ever told me that their career path has followed a straight line. Yeah, I think, 
I think that it's because we are surrounded by different ideas about what we are supposed to do and whether, you know, so it's approval seeking. And so that could be um, other people have ideas for us. Um, other people have ambitions for us. And, you know, some that goes both ways. It can be, um, you know, I remember a friend who wanted to be a doctor and their parents were working class and they felt like they were betraying, you know, their working class roots. Or it could be that parents are more ambitious for their children or have specific ideas about those careers. And I think also that um, we don't really do a good job in um, trying to find out what that very specific um, talent or interest is. And I like to think of it as the jet stream, which is the thing where it's easy for you, it's fun for you. And I think when we get a message in school, that um, you know, it's it's that there. It's about getting good grades and being smarter than other people. It makes it harder for us to figure out. But what do I want to do? And even like in the example that I gave with myself, well, I would have never even heard about a psychologist if I didn't go see one. So, um, how do you find those careers? And and so I do think there should be some process of getting as much exposure to as many different ideas of how to earn a living. As somebody who's a psychologist, how would you redesign the current education system, given your background and your experience? I think the simplest thing I would say is it has to be two priorities. And one is the love of learning. And the, that should be a primary goal. And then the second should be to think for yourself. And of course, that is kind of the opposite of the current educational system. And, you know, so one story, you know, one interesting part about my education and interesting thing about the Detroit area is that there's a school there called the Roper School. And it was founded by Anne-Marie Roper, who had um, escaped from Nazi Germany. And she believed that, um, that the reason that the Holocaust happened was because the Germans were not taught to think for themselves. And so she made it her mission to create a school that those were the main goals, that you think for yourself and that you love learning. And, um, and so that I think that that will set people up to figure out what they want to do. You know, I remember, you know, when I went to Roper that they would have other kids that wanted to be, you know, wanted to do theater and they would write their own plays and they would produce the plays and I mean, these weren't big productions, but um, it was really encouraged that you find things that you love and you do more of that. So I, you know, I can't help but think about this. I and mean, this is something that I've been beating like a dead horse with in my mind. And I'm working on a project about it where, you know, one of the things I've said is one of the greatest lies you're ever told is that you have to choose from the options that are put in front of you. But you have cultural programming that you're actively discouraged from challenging. Like if I told any of my friends who I went to Berkeley with that working at Golden Snacks, Tats, or McKinsey sounded like the worst fucking job in the world, they would have thought I was out of my damn mind because that was the golden standard for what success looked like. Uh, so I wonder, as you get older, how do you unwind that uh, inability to think for yourself that gets so programmed into the culture? Yeah, so I think that that specifically has to be to look at that approval seeking and to kind of question that approval seeking. And, you know, so you can go through and say, well, what would my friends think about this? What would my parents think about this? And then you might want to ask yourself, okay, what do I think about this? And so what am I going to do about these differences between what other people think and what do I think? And another way to kind of dig a little deeper in breaking free from approval seeking is you can ask yourself, when I was 10 years old, what would I have wanted to do with my life? Okay, when I was a teenager, what would I have wanted to do with my life? And then you could think, you know, um, if I had more confidence, what would I want to do? Because sometimes that can be a barrier. And then 10 years from now, would I still want to be doing this? And so, it, again, it's kind of getting this ability to um Check in with yourself. And a lot of people will have a different answer, like for all of those that, you know, if I thought, what did I want to be when I was 10? I wanted to be a figure skater, <laughs> you know, but when I thought about, you know, when I did, when I did go to college, I certainly did think about, should I be a business major? Because, you know, that's just a shorter degree and a small, you know, probably more lucrative earlier. But if you were to say, what would you want to be doing that 10 years from now? I would have said, absolutely not. And so I think, 
that you have to look for that place where you feel there's something purposeful and also that you have so much excitement about it, that there's that love of learning. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do this. Let's shift gears a little bit and let's start getting into uh, why you're actually here, which is talking about the work that you do around attention. But, but I wonder where did this uh, in particular start? Like what became the reason that this was the, the area that you wanted to have your emphasis be on? Uh, in terms of attention deficit disorder is, um, so I did grow up in a family where I had a brother that was diagnosed um, again. So this was in Michigan a long time ago. And so nobody had really heard of ADHD at that time. So I really grew up with that um, idea of uh, knew what ADHD was before most people did. And um, and uh, because my brother's case, you know, he had severe ADHD. I also had ADHD but I would never have been diagnosed because again, I was, you know, more conforming and more trying to not get in trouble. But also I think um, just that in comparison, (laughs) it just didn't seem like it was uh, as debilitating. So I, you know, so I grew up knowing exactly what it was. And then by the time I started studying psychology, I was of course more interested in it probably than other people And um, when I was in graduate school, uh, I did a uh, I did a little research project with um, with a student who was taking an abnormal psychology class that I was teaching. And our question was, can we find people and bring them in and say, what do they think are the benefits of this diagnosis? And everybody had some interesting things to say. And that started off my actual kind of academic engagement with ADHD. Uh, were you a good student in school? Uh, yeah, I was, um, I was not a good student until I went to ninth grade. And then I became um, a pretty great student, actually. And I like to, um, you know, and I always think about that because I really didn't have a lot of pressure to be a good student. But when I got to ninth grade, ninth grade something happened, which was, I just became ambitious and I wasn't motivated. That would have been like too small of a word. I was, um, and I, I, you know, when I look back, I almost have the sense that it's almost like when we certain developmentally certain things, you know, we get our teeth at this age, we learn to, we hit puberty at this age. I feel like if you don't sort of suppress a person's love of learning that, well, at least for me, ambition just emerged developmentally, and it really carried me through high school with good grades. What about college? And then in college, I was a fantastic student, actually. (laughs) The reason I ask this is because I think I was kind of the exact opposite. I had fantastic grades pretty much all the way through high school, enough to get me into Berkeley, and it was all downhill from there. Uh, I don't know what happened, and I wonder if perhaps you could shed some light on what might have gone wrong here. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to exactly what I said about the love of learning. I think that when you focus on getting good grades, then there that's not a fun thing to do. And so for me, up until high school, um, I really was just an indifferent student. I couldn't even tell you what my grades were. Um, but and then uh, and then I actually maybe didn't even have a love of learning for high school, but I had ambition. And so then it became. Um, you know, something that I really wanted for myself. And, um, you know, and so I worked really hard for that. And that became, but completely driven from the inside. And so what I think, what I believe can happen is it's so stressful to get good grades all the way from like elementary school to middle, middle school to high school, that um, you might lose that love of learning. And, the thing is, is that I have always loved learning. I would always be reading books on the outside. Um, you know, I read um, a self-help book once and it, when I was in high school and I loved it and I felt like, um, you know, it, and I kept reading in, in that area. And, and so, again, it was enthusiasm. I think maybe what can happen when people become poor students is that they lose that enthusiasm they lose that love of learning. And, you know, I think the thinking for yourself part, I think that's what can make learning so exciting is to have all these new ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you talked about uh, this project with a student where you started to look at what might be the benefits 
uh, of having ADHD. And I wonder, uh, one, what did you discover were the benefits? And for people who are listening, if they feel that they're in the situation, how can they basically turn what seems like a disadvantage into an advantage? Yeah, so this is exactly the, where, you know, it, the where the education hits the diagnosis because the student was someone that uh, got really bad grades in my class. And, but he would come to office hours and he would ask all these questions that were fantastic questions. And he was really engaged with the material, but it absolutely didn't show up in his work. So what he was, was a bad studier. He just wasn't good at studying, but he was so engaged. Whereas let's say the other good students, if they came to office hours, they would say, oh, what's on the test on Tuesday or what's on the test on Thursday? And they weren't, you know, really in, engaged with the ideas and coming up with new ideas. So when we began to bring people in and say, what do you think the gifts are? You know, one of the things that people would say is that um, I don't want the right answer. I want to come up with new answers. <laughs> you know, I want to explore things. And so there are people that tend to be explore, want to explore new answers. They want to investigate new answers. They want to discover things. And this is really different from fact finding and getting the right answer. And this is why you find that, um, you know, that sometimes when people leave school, they, you know, can be very successful in things that require creativity or innovation. And so those were some of the big ones. Um, another thing that came up was, People would say, I can't pay attention in class because I'm looking around. And I remember someone said, I looked at someone that seemed really upset. And I just wanted to tell them that, you know, they're wonderful. And I wanted them to feel good about themselves. And so here you have a person who's not paying attention in class, but you see this incredible sensitivity and emotional empathy for other people. And it's such a noble thing and of course, all of us can imagine so many examples of, you know, job descriptions that they would be great at. So um, those were the sorts of things we found. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, well, let's do this. Uh, I, I think this is really interesting because I think even in my own experience with uh, dealing with this, I found that I could obsessively focus on something if I was interested in it. And if not, my attention would be all over the place. So you, you could focus on I, things that you were interested in. Yeah, if I was interested in something, I could focus obsessively on it for hours on end. Uh, but if not, then you know my attention is all over the place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that has to do with the nature of attention. And so it is easy to pay attention to things that we're interested in. And so if that's why, if you can turn your career into things you're already interested in, in fact, I think that's one of the biggest hacks in life is to do what you're interested in. That is the biggest brain hack. And, um, you know, even in my own career. So, you know, like I mentioned, I came out to San Francisco because I was doing a postdoc in research. So it's kind of like this, the Goldilocks, you know, like I did research and I was okay at it, but it was hard. And then, so after that, I went into a, you know, teaching at a liberal arts college and that was better. It was like, okay, this is a little bit better. But then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be teaching the same classes for, you know, decades. And, um, I happened to also, you know, get a book contract. And so I decided to move into writing and my own private practice. And then it was like, okay, there's the sweet spot. And when it's easy to pay attention, then, um, you know, that's the best formula. That's the best brain hack ever in terms of life success, career success. And as you're saying, it's just easy to do. Well, we're going to get into specific tactical stuff around attention, but I want to ask you one more question around this. What have you found as a correlation between people who are ADD and deal with things like depression and anxiety? Uh, there's, uh, those numbers are high and some research would say between like 50 and 80% of people that have ADHD will have depression and anxiety. And so part of it has to do with, again, this idea that if you have a negative thought, um, it requires, you know, the prefrontal cortex, our executive functioning to say, is this a helpful thought or is this an unhelpful thought and to change those thoughts. In terms of feeling sad or overcome with anxiety, you know, we can regulate those emotions again with our, and this is the deficit of ADHD is your, you know, with the prefrontal cortex and um, kind of being the boss of your brain. And so, you know, and, and if you look at the treatments for depression and anxiety, they have so much to do with, okay, building, you know, flexible thinking, building the ability to challenge those thoughts and um, substituting those thoughts or ignoring those thoughts. So, yeah, there's a very substantial overlap. Well, I think that uh, you said the word that I think will end up being the title of the interview. You said being the boss of your brain. So let's talk about how somebody actually becomes the boss of their brain. Okay, so being the boss of your brain means that um, you don't accept every thought or feeling or impulse that you have. So, for example, um, let's start with a simple example is, um, you know, let's say you got you feel rejected about something and you um, and then you start to kind of spiral down downwards and or you're not getting the results that you want. And you think, oh, maybe I should just give up or you think um, this is so much harder than I thought. Um, Well, when you with ADHD, you know, you tend not to, to be the boss of your brain and you kind of, you let you run with that or you don't challenge it. So by being the boss of your brain, you could say, um, well, I give myself a lot of credit because I took a risk. Um, I was brave. I, I was rejected or I didn't get what I wanted, but look at all that that I had. And you begin to say, this is not helpful to think that way. And I'm going to, you know, take my brain forcefully, have it think about something else. And I also call that kind of changing the channel. So if you think about, if you are watching cable TV 
And if you're scrolling through the channels and you see golf and you don't really like golf, you're not going to sit there and watch a golf game. You're going to just change a channel. Mm -hmm. And being the boss of your brain means you can change the channel on your brain. We all have the capacity to do that. What is it that causes people to get sort of mired in these spirals where they can't change the channel? Because I've had days when I've tried and one of the things I realized is like, okay, if I fight this, for some reason, I just perpetuate it. Yes. So um, another thing that you can do is is to um, amplify it, strangely enough. So let's say you're in a spiral and you um, are disappointed that you wanted some results and you didn't get those results. And you could, so the opposite of challenging it immediately would be to say, okay, I'm going to let myself, whether it's grieve or feel sad, um, and you can imagine it like a wave. And you can even say, actually, I'm going to imagine like a wave that it's going to get bigger. And as you let that sense of grief or disappointment get bigger, then you say, and like a wave, you know, it can, subs- it can subside. And so you get this practice of intensifying it and then releasing it. Because when you intensify it, now you know, I actually do have some control over this. And um, it also, you know, can give you some relief to not be just putting the lid on it all the time. Yeah. So we've talked about it from the standpoint of emotional regulation, which it seems like is a precursor to actually getting shit done, that the things that we want to get done. So how do we take these ideas and then apply them to the work that we're doing? So, you know, we, we live in a world, as you and I were talking about before, where we're navigating basically a landmine of interruption and distractions and, and people constantly trying to get our attention. So how do you do, how do you basically navigate this and use all these ideas to be productive and to accomplish the things you want to accomplish? Mm-hmm. So I, I think with, you know, one of the things we had mentioned was that I think that all of the uh, technology and um, temptations that are out there that in the palm of our hands, you can have global entertainment, you can play video games, you can stream comedies from the eighties, you can do whatever you want. And um, so I think that part of the answer is to, you know, to recognize is to, to be clear that this is kind of like the cigarettes of our generation, because it's actually our brains did not at all evolve to be able to handle this. And so um, being able to recognize that multitasking and these distractions, um, you know, we you know, again, this is where it comes back to being the boss of your brain. And so there's, again, there's a lot of strategies. And I think one of the most helpful can be, what are the consequences of this? And, and this is how you can motivate yourself is, um, you know, one of the consequences of um, spending this much time on social media or streaming videos is that in that, what else could I do with that two hours, three hours, four hours a day? And so if three hours a day, you could achieve all of your fitness goals, all of your health goals, three hours a day, you could easily write a book over the course of a year. (laughs) Um, (laughs) In three hours a day, you could, um, you know, spend time with the people that you love and care about and, you know, um, you, you know, they won't be here forever and to really cherish those moments. Um, you could take classes and learn new technologies to grow your own business. You could, um, you know, there's so much that you can do in three hours a day that almost everybody is spending wasting through various um, distractions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that there's no doubt. I think to me, the, the most interesting thing that you brought up was the idea of what are the consequences of this, right? Like you think about the opportunity cost of spending two hours every day on Facebook, and that suddenly makes that time uh, worth a lot more. It's interesting because, you know, Tell Me Ford just came up with a new book called Digital Minimalism, and he actually said, he said, if you had to pay to use Facebook by the minute, it would really make you reconsider whether that's a good use of your money and your time. Right. Right. Yes. And so I think, you know, and so one way you can kind of, you know, work with your brain is you can say, oh, what are the benefits of this time that I'm spending um, on Instagram, on Facebook? 
And of course, your brain will have lots of answers. It'll be like, oh, I get to stay connected with people. Or, it, you know, I kind of, you know, when you're talking about sometimes you spiral down into those, mood, you know, mood issues about things in real life. Oh, it kind of numbs me out. But truthfully, that's not the best way to regulate emotion. Um, and um, so there are some benefits and we don't have to pretend that that's not the case. Yeah. But we also have to get real about oh, you know, I've been wanting to learn this new sport or I have been wanting to um, learn some new skills or I want to spend time with my family or I have been wanting to, um, you know, again, it's new, you know, we're, it's New Year's, yeah. <laughs> you know, time and we all have goals. And so those goals happen through time that we invest in them. I think, you know, you and I were talking about this before we hit record here, where I, I decided, you know, after reading Cal's book that, okay, you know what, one of the perfect ways to be a case study for, for him and also make the interview interesting is to quit social media for 30 days, to just walk away from it and see what else I would do with my time. And it was kind of amazing, the, uh, the projects that I came up with. I was like, okay, I want to learn how to make all these things to eat. I, I have a, you know, re- renovation project for my apartment. And it kind of blew my mind that there are all these things that would make our lives interesting if we weren't busy watching other people's lives who we think are, are you know, have lives that are more interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really profound. And um, even, I mean, I've had a similar experience whenever I've uh, scaled back. Um, I, I took Facebook off of my cell phone, which means I don't really use it that much. And it was just amazing to me how um, much more time that I had to, like, for me, it's like organization. One of the problems with ADHD is you have a hard hard time organizing your environment. But if you, (laughs) but I mean, if you think about all the time you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, and if you started, you know, you know, organizing your environment and straightening things up, then every next step in everything you have for a goal for yourself is easier. And if you can find things easier, if you can, um, if you have prompts, if you write yourself a note with a prompt reminding you of what your goals are, um, you know, you're going to move forward in achieving those goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that that to me was one of those things, just like the sheer uh, noise that is created and you don't really have access to the sound of your own voice or your own thoughts when you are being inundated with everybody else's. Right, right, exactly. And, and so with so many distractions, that, um, you know, that's what, again, coming back to being the boss of your brain is realizing how powerful these distractors are for us mm-hmm. and, um, and deciding to make a different decision. What has your research shown about the impact that all of this has on our social relationships? Well, I mean, everything that's coming out is negative. <laughs> And um, in terms of um, both, you know, in-person interactions and, you know, the research was, was getting headlines recently that, you know, it could, you know, it creates depression because there's, you know, the fear of missing out and you're seeing people's best lives rather than, you know, real honest, you know, mirrors of what other people are going through. And, um, and I think that in terms of mood, I think one of the most important things to know is if you look at what creates happiness, I mean, those things are, you know, social connections, things that boost moods are time in nature. So, you know, getting outside or um, things like healthy pleasures, which could be hobbies in terms of, um, is it a sport that you like to play? Is it, um, you like to do arts and crafts that those are things that create happiness and social connections. And so again, three hours a day on, you know, technology is three hours a day that you're not getting those healthy mood boosts. Mm-hmm. And what, I mean, I know that you've also done work around addiction and it seems like a lot of these tools are, I mean, it doesn't seem like it. We know these tools are all designed to be addictive. Uh, I mean, are we going to, basically it creates so much damage in a generation that have grown up uh, on this stuff that we're going to be able to undo it. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's really scary in the sense that like, so for example, even, um, you know, iPhone has a, you, a, 
way that you can monitor how much time that you're spending. But that's really, again, it's almost like if this is the cigarettes of our generation, it's actually not really helping because you have to be the one to then turn off those things. Yeah. And I, I actually, I do want to say, I do think it is the cigarettes of our generation. And I do think that the, you know, the kind of effort to have a, you have your iPhone monitor your time on different technologies is not even close to being enough. Mm-hmm. And um, so I do think that in terms of, um, you know, I mean, I think you're right. It comes back to helping people to recognize the real costs. Yeah. I mean, so for example, with multitasking, um, it depletes, um, you are twice as likely to make a mistake when you're multitasking and everything's going to take longer to do. And if you do it a lot, it actually depletes your uh, working memory, your attention span. Mm-hmm. So all of these are negatives <laughs> and yet they're all um, a regular part of life. And so it's kind of like a getting out a, um, you know, at the educational level and at every level, that this is not good. What are the benefits of this? Yeah. And because yeah. even when you list the benefits again, they're not, tremendous and then what are the costs and the costs are very severe yeah the costs seem to significantly outweigh the benefits yes yeah interesting uh so you know i mean part of uh, the you know what prompted the the discussion about our relations with people you and i were talking about this and uh i recently published a piece based on having seen this video uh that went viral in spain and and we'll you know it's a piece titled on the time we have left with the people who matter most to us and I, i think the thing that struck me most when I saw that video, um, they listed all these horrifying statistics about how much time we'll spend watching videos on the internet, how much time we'll spend staring at screens. And all of those were like years. And then they went to, basically they said, based on data that we have statistically, we can calculate how much time you have left with the people who matter most to you. And, you know, they'd have these pairs of people like two best friends, your mother and son. And the, the psychologist asked them, would you like to know? And of course, every one of them said yes, and they were horrified by how short of a time it was. They thought they had years when it turned out to be days, when they added up all the time put together. Wow. I mean, that's, I mean, that gives me the chills. It's so, and it's so true. And I think it's exactly those kinds of um, maybe, what do you call them, public service announcements that will wake people up. Um, because it's so immediately gratifying to numb yourself out with, you know, with all these things, videos. And it's so, you know, again, des- as you said, designed to be addictive. And we really lose perspective of what matters and what's important. And so it may be that, you know, every time, um, you know, you get onto social media or you're about to watch, you know, the next episode on Netflix, that you ask yourself, um, you know, what are the benefits of this? What are the costs of this? What am I not doing? Who am I not talking to? Um, what goals do I have that I'm, are, you know, I'm throwing in the garbage can by doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that in my mind, if, if there's anything that makes sense, if it's looking at the opportunity cost, because I think the opportunity cost will convince you that this isn't as valuable as you think it is and it isn't as worthwhile as you think it is. And, and to be honest with you, even asking the benefits, it's actually kind of hard to articulate, isn't it? I mean, um, I mean, may, yeah, we all deserve downtime. It, we, it's nice to have a little break from um, the pressures of our life. But after, you know, you're watching like the third episode of Gilmore Girls, what really is the benefit of that? It's not going away. It's going to be there, you know. So um, I think that even that question, what are the benefits of this? It, it's hard to sustain an answer to that after a certain amount of time. What do you think are the responsibilities of the people who create these things? I mean, it, it seems like basically what has happened is they're now trying to correct course and undo maybe what was unintentional damage. Right. Um, well, I, I think that what they have now is not is not going to work where you can have your iPhone report back to you what you're doing um, because it's, that's also not telling you what you're doing on Facebook and all the other things. I think, you know, what would be fascinating would be if some of the companies, um, you know, maybe, um, you know, like I, I, you know, I don't know how this would work, but like they would send you a text message that would say, what are the benefits of what you're doing right now? What are the costs of what you're doing right now? And so you really had to ask, 
ask and answer that question, or maybe even um, like somehow little alerts would show up on the phone that said, do you know that, um, you know, with in two hours that you, <laughs> you spent on social media, you could have um, exercised for an hour and prepared a healthy meal rather than, you know, stopping and getting a slice of pizza or, you know, showing you that all the other goals that you have are what are being compromised or even just questions that pop up that say, you know, what were your new year's resolutions? Have you thought about those lately? Are you, how's it, how's that going? Um, and, uh, or even, um, you know, when 10 years from now, how are you going to feel about having watched every episode of Gilmore Girls or, (laughs) you know, so I'm, I'm just having a little fun with it, but there, you know, instead of saying, Hey, here's what you're doing, because, you know, that's, I mean, it doesn't, it's not that motivating, you know, suggesting what about, what are your goals or, um, you know, what's your role in the galaxy? You know, what is, what is your purpose? And when you, what's your mission statement? Have you thought about your mission statement lately? Because when you began to ask those questions, you're like, oh my God, what am I doing here? Wow. Um, Well, this has been really, really insightful and thought-provoking. I hope that it will encourage people to really look into potentially ditching some of these things for a while. Uh, so I want to finish with one final question that I know you've heard me ask. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Um, well, kind of coming back to what we've just been talking about, um, this idea that um, kind of, I think of James Hillman has this theory, what he calls the acorn theory, that we are an acorn and our destiny is to become an oak tree. And, um, but it's a long journey to become an oak tree and, you know, the fulfillment of our potential requires us to say no to lots of wrong paths. There's so many temptations and things that take us off that path. And there's so many complications to becoming that oak tree, which is, you know, what your, um, purpose that maybe what you were born for, what your destiny was. And so I think that, you know, when people, when you can, you can see certain people and you say, wow, they're really living out their destiny. <laughs> you know, they seem to be right on track. They're living in their jet stream, which is, you know, one of the words that I like to use. You know, they're flying they're in their interest and they have fulfilled um, so much purpose. And, you know, clearly they're enjoying themselves. They're having a lot of fun with it. And, you know, other people are benefiting. So for me, it's kind of this metaphor of, you know, we all start off as an acorn, but how many people really become the oak tree? And, um that to me, that's what unmistakable creativity is. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your story and your answers with those. Where can people find out more about you, your work, and everything you're up to? I have a website, addisagift.com. Awesome. Anywhere else? Um, well, I have six books on amazon.com. My latest one is Brain Hacks, also The Gift of ADHD, um, The ADHD Workbook for Teens. So there's on Amazon.com too. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.